What happens when you let your preconceptions about role-playing games fall away? Is there something to be learned from going back to the roots of the hobby? How can we recapture the love we used to feel for our hobby? If you say Shay Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello, rescuers. It's great to be back behind the mic for another episode, and I hope that as you are listening to this, things are pretty good for you too. This one's on the head of Tim Shorts from Gotheridge Manor. Tim challenged the anchorites to revisit an episode from this time last year, delving back into the back catalogue and allowing ourselves to reapproach that topic. I took a delve back into the back catalogue of Roleplay Rescue and I picked episode 103 on Rediscovery and Roots. This was the episode in which I shared my journey into playing BX Dungeons & Dragons for the first time and the consequent first big shift in my approach to role-playing games. It's an iconic episode for me because it's also a show that seems to have resonated strongly with others. It led directly to me inviting Gavin Norman of Necratic Gnome to do the first interview episode. I got into playing what is now old school essentials and ultimately it's powered my enthusiasm for podcasting. Thus, today I'm going to revisit that rediscovery and talk a little about how things stand a year further down the track. This is Season 5, Episode 8, Revisiting the Open Table. Before we dive into the episode proper, I just wanted to comment that I've got um, a bunch of nice call-ins today from fellow podcasters and listeners, and I just wanted to share them, really. They're very good. They're the kind of call-ins that really provoke thought and it's going to make you think about stuff in quite a deep way, but I don't feel like I want to comment on them particularly. I just feel like I want to put them in the episode, seed them through the episode, and let them stand on their own. So I just want to say thank you to the callers. And, yeah, without any further ado, let's have the first one. Hey up, Shay. Shandy Andy here. You asked for advice getting back into gaming in one minute. Here we go. Check out your local game shops. That's what I did when I first got back in, and I found two groups, a D&D 5e and a Pathfinder one, at two local game shops in the area. Check Facebook groups. I know a lot of people don't like Facebook, but if you're really serious about getting back into gaming, you need to be on it. And I found my AD&D First Ed group via the East Midlands RPG Facebook group. Create your own Facebook group. That's what I did with the East Midlands Rune Masters. And I've got a few RuneQuest games out of that. Listen to podcasts. That's how I met you and now how I uh, do some GURPS with you every other Friday, Shay. Uh, Roleplay with your kids and your partner if they're interested. Good way of getting back into it. Check out your old role-playing friends. I've still got some from Polly, and we are going to try and do some RuneQuest after Christmas and go to an RPG convention. Listening to episode 103 again has been illuminating. First of all, 
I can hear my nervousness and it all seems a little stilted. I'd already forgotten about how I tried to create a distinctive voice and sound for the show, utilising the excellent and pretty simple tools available to any anchor podcaster. The episode still has, at least for me, a curious charm and I found myself listening with interest. But I also felt that this podcaster, this earlier version of myself, seems to be a distant relative. I didn't really recognise my own voice. It's a weird, slightly detached experience that's kind of hard to explain. Anyway, episode 103 was illuminating. The episode recounts my frustrations around losing players. It discusses the factors that led to a key breakthrough in my thinking and then outlines a recipe for getting people back to the gaming table to roleplay. I found myself drawn strongly to revisiting those key breakthroughs on a personal level, something I want to talk about in a moment. But also... I found myself kicking myself, really, about the fact that I had forgotten the recipe. It seems appropriate, even a year or so on, that we revisit the core recipe I proposed back in December 2018 for getting yourself and some friends back to the gaming table. Let's dive in. In the original episode, I recounted how there were five things that had happened in short succession, really, and added up to me doing something I had never thought about trying before. First had been the moment when I began reading the blog of the Angry GM and reframing in my mind the basic role-playing game conversation. Secondly, I read Justin Alexander's blog post about the open table, which you can find on The Alexandrian. The third big revelation came when I began to read something called BX Essentials, what is today Old School Essentials. The fourth revelation was seeing three different blogs recommend Janelle Jacquet's 1979 mega dungeon, The Caverns of Thracia. Finally, the fifth revelation hit me. I read the 1974 original Dungeons and Dragons game alongside Playing at the World by John Peterson. I then recounted how I brought that BX Essentials rule set alongside the Caverns of Thracia. I bought a load of cheap dice to give all the newbies some polyhedrals. I knocked up an advertising poster that showed the 1981 cover image, the old D&D logo and the words Mr. Webster's Open Table, along with a room number and time, Tuesdays 3.30 till 5. And I went on to describe the result with the following words. Quote, Chaos erupted. A wonderful, energetic and exciting chaos. And it's still going, end quote. A year on, and that wonderfully energetic chaos has dissipated a bit. Not totally, but the group is five players. We're no longer playing BX Essentials. We left the caverns of Thracia far behind. And we're not even using any polyhedrals other than the humble D6. And that makes the whole thing sound like it totally failed. But I'm not sure that anything failed. What definitely did happen is that I ended up making the open table a closed table. And that is a mistake I sorely need to rectify. H.A. Jason here, Nerds RPG Vridacast. Just listened to DM Diary number 10. Exciting stuff. Um, it's funny. I'm kind of moving the other way. I'm still going to end up playing a lot of systems. But, you know, after bouncing system to system, I, I kind of want to stick to one system more more than ever before. I'm kind of leaning towards ICRPG because that's what everybody 
Well, that's what some people are willing to play. Um, I, I would play other systems, but, you know, where I would just GM one system, I, I'm kind of leaning towards ICRPG, to be honest. <laughs> I like GURPS, but I don't know if I'd get the players. Where ICRPG just released Cyberpunk rules, so I know I can get players for that. And that kind of leads to something else. It's, you, we're, you know, the beginning of this journal, and you're talking like Man in the High Castle and things like that. And, you, you know, lately I've been wanting to play more modern games. Um, I, I enjoy the, the fantasy. I enjoy the, you know, different stuff. I've been playing in the space games, like I mentioned in an earlier message to you. Um, but I'd like to play in a, a modern-day game. Conspiracy game would be great, you know, uh, whether it's horror like, you know, Cthulhu or just kind of weird conspiracy stuff or, or whatever. It wouldn't matter to me or detective noir. I don't care. I mean, I realize noir by definition probably isn't modern, but you know, the cyberpunk is going to kind of give me that. So I'm, I'm running a cyberpunk game on the 10th, which will be cool. 10th of December, which would be cool. I also might start a play by post Western just because Western's a little bit closer to modern day and people will sign up for it. So I don't know, kind of interesting stuff. Wanting to, Definitely want to keep changing worlds, but I kind of want to consolidate systems. <laughs> but ultimately, I think as long as you're having fun and you're playing and you're engaging with other people, I don't think you're doing it wrong. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with solo gaming either. But, it, you know, as far as the game thing, you know, sometimes it's hard to find a group that's willing to do a long-term campaign like you're talking about. And if, you know, what you can find or you know, to do a little bit here and a little bit there, then that's better than not doing anything, right? I mean, and that goes back to the, the core of the Role Play Rescue podcast, you know, your other podcast, if you think about it. Um, you know, it's, it's better to game some than not at all. And, you know, holding out for that ultimate campaign it may not happen. It's better to do the, the shorter things to, just to get those plays in. So I, I think you're going to find the right decision for you. Um I think we all will if we just stick with it. Listening to you, and especially the DM um, diaries, definitely helps me coalesce my thoughts and and, and realize what I'm thinking as well. And and it's very helpful. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for putting that out there. Um, I I think it is very – it's a great tool for us. Um, And I'm sure it's good for you too to – to, you know, get that out and externalize it. So anyhow, thank you again for everything. And hopefully that helped a little bit. Hopefully I didn't muddle the waters anymore, but, you know, hang in there. I will hopefully talk to you in a few hours. Before I get back to restating and recommending once again the recipe I had discovered last July and was sharing in December, let's take the time to consider why I moved away from it and began to try and cook up some other role-playing dishes. There is a value in the retrospective because I believe it can yield some solid advice for others. Firstly, after about 10 or 12 sessions with somewhere between 8 and 12 players at the table, I got twitchy about the caverns of Thracia. While the dungeon is a good one, I was struggling with two problems. I was losing interest in playing someone else's very weird dungeon design. 
the foray into the level one zone from which no character seemed able to emerge alive, that was a blow to everyone's enthusiasm. And on top of that, I was finding that I couldn't handle using someone else's writing. Filtered though it was through a style of module design considered acceptable in 1979. I was working on the fly and without a great deal of preparation effort on my part, and that was difficult. Secondly, I was running into all the things I dislike about the 1981 Dungeons and Dragons experience. Some players were rolling up characters and dying in every session because their characters were simply too fragile, and the group was too reckless. There was fun at the table, but losing 12 characters was clearly becoming old. At the time, I didn't have much of a clue on how to help the players become more skilled in play, but that was compounded by the fact that I didn't enjoy the underdetailed and very mismatched mechanisms of the classic BX game. There's nothing wrong with it per se, but I was hearing two voices. The collective queries of the players, some of whom were starting to notice how similar every character was and were shamelessly renaming them as Link the Ninth and similar. I was also hearing the voice in my head that, having read and played hundreds of RPGs, was telling me that there were better, more consistent games with better character building tools that I could play. By the time we reached February, I was already switching across to Castles and Crusades. I had been playing this online through to Christmas with the adults and it seemed sensible to use it to play at the school club too. At that time, I was trying to persuade the Friday Nighters to try CNC and we played the Wizard's Tower before shifting the campaign to using those rules. The third thing that shifted me away from the open table was that the group at the table began to shrink after the Christmas holiday. A core of dedicated and keen players remained, but it seemed sensible to offer them a more campaign-oriented experience. This was a huge mistake. It was a mistake because it is probably the largest factor that has limited my ability to attract new players over the long term. Since September this year, there has been a fluctuating group of five players on and off, but the larger community of subgroups has frankly evaporated. In some ways, this is a natural ebb and flow of the school club experience. A lot of those guys are now up at the upper school, getting ready for exams, finding it difficult to attend. But in truth, a big factor has been the tacit closing of the table. I always say I'll welcome new folk to the table, but that table doesn't feel very open. On a purely marketing point, by the way, I also stopped talking about playing Dungeons and Dragons. This is because we stopped playing Dungeons & Dragons, and I feel strongly that offering D&D to players means that you should be actually playing D&D with them too. But taking those words off the posters, calling the group the Roleplay Club, and shifting to other games that no one other than me really understands has not actually been too helpful. Oddly, and I don't know how I'm going to resolve this problem, but oddly, I don't feel comfy appropriating the name of the original role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons, and then offering another gaming experience. And so, here I am. But it's not all bad, because since September, and over the past few weeks, both online and at Friday Night Games, I have rediscovered the heart of the original recipe that I offered the world back in December of 2018. I've begun to rediscover the charms of the open table. <laughs> Weirdly, now that I look back on it, I'm not sure that I really talked enough about the recipe that I had largely remixed from reading The Angry GM, The Alexandrian, John Peterson's book, Playing BX Essentials and Delving into Thracia. 
Instead of trying to get players to take part in a very rich, complex and long-term role-playing campaign, the suggestion was to go back to the way we played these games back in the early days, when we were ourselves 11 to 14 years old. In other words, running a dungeon game. On top of that, the idea, largely from Justin Alexander's series of blog posts, lay in just providing the game and making the table open. Open to whoever shows up each week and not worrying about who will be at the table. Quote, in order to be successful, I believe an open table requires or will greatly benefit from quick character creation, easy access systems, open group formation, a default goal, a default action, and regenerative or extensible content, end quote. It's a simple formula that I began to explore back at the tail end of 2018. It's the formula that I brought to the table at school. Here goes with restating that recipe. You need a game that can generate characters quickly, in less than 15 minutes really. Pregens can work, but you lose something if a player doesn't make their own characters. You therefore need a game that allows fast character creation without digital aids. Pencil, paper, dice, bam, character. You need a game system that is easy to access. Quote, this does not, it should be noted, necessarily mean a simple system. Rather, an easy access system is one which allows players to start playing quickly. D&D 3rd Edition, for example, is not a simple system, but it is an easy access system. Once you explain skill checks, combat actions, attack rolls and damage, a new player has everything they need to know in order to start playing, end quote. This is hard to be precise about, but you do know it when you see it. You need an open group formation. You will be opening the table up to different players and combination of players each session. Thus, the game needs to provide a form of group that can handle personnel changes. Dungeon crawls, hex crawls or mission-based games, they can all work in this kind of situation. You need a default goal and you need a default action for the players. You need to ask and answer two questions. One, what do the characters do? And two, how do the players do it? And these questions might seem deceptively simple, but the answers are quite complex. And getting the right answers is absolutely critical to having a successful gaming session. Dungeon crawls, hex crawls and mysteries are good game structures for this. The simplest is the dungeon crawl. The characters are meant to be looting the dungeon of its treasures and the players do this by picking a direction and exploring the dungeon. Finally, the open table needs regenerative and or extensible content. In other words, you need to be able to reuse the material you have every session or extend it with ease. Low prep solutions. Mega dungeons and hex crawls excel at this. And that's it. That's the recipe. I need to get back to mixing this up again myself. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. So I guess I'm a role play jumper as well, where I find all these games and I love every one that I see. But I think secretly what I'm trying to do is find that one game that just rules them all. And like right now, I'm all about the black hack. But I'm pretty sure down the road, someone's going to be like, hey, have you checked out this game? And I'll look at it and be like, oh crap, this is better than the last game I was looking at. This might be the one game that rules them all. And so I understand jumping from game to game, but it's killing my daughter. My daughter is always always telling me, can't you just pick a game and we can play it for a while? Because she has run so many one-shots with different games, and I know she's getting sick of it.
feel like I need to share the realisation that hit home the strongest when I re-listened to episode 103. In short, I realised that the dungeons of Thal are my mega-dungeon. A year ago, I would have believed that the mega-dungeon project was the fire citadel of the Dragon Kings. Remember that? It's the project that sparked my interview with Carl Bussler and quite quickly gave me the courage to finally leap behind the mic and begin Roleplay Rescue. By the way, I've kind of lost track of Carl Bustler. He seems to have disappeared and I keep wondering if anyone knows what happens to him. So if you know anything, please do call in and let me know. Anyway, the dungeons of Thal, they are my mega dungeon. I am inspired by Janelle Jacques. I take lessons from the caverns of Thracia and other similar dungeons, but I kind of have to write my own. Of course, that's me. When I was trying to run someone else's module the other week, I felt overwhelmed. Despite good ideas and quality writing, I find myself unable to penetrate adventure modules without expending more time and effort than I currently have a willingness to expend. I'm taking to mining printed publications for ideas, but I can't be bothered to use them as written. That was the problem with paying Thracia. It became too much effort for me as a dungeon master. Today... I am committing to writing new dungeon levels for Thal. I am committing to bringing that dungeon to the table whenever I sit down to run a game, at least assuming that's what the players want to play. The school kids have been having a good time in Thal. So are the Friday nighters, two sessions in, and those guys were talking like they enjoyed it as much as anything else I've been running. And online, well, I got the online group playing and it looks like we're going for a second session as this episode airs. Maybe even a third. Thal is fun. It's simple to run, and it works. What about Dungeons and Dragons? Well, honestly, I think I need to get over my squeamishness about using the brand to communicate what I'm playing. That said, I can't in all honesty say I'm comfortable with it. What am I going to do? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to dust off the unopened D&D Essentials box set and give it a decent look for starters. I will be honestly evaluating it and considering it as a system to run at school. Why? Not because I think it is a better game than Dungeon Fantasy, but rather because I know that it has a huge brand appeal to young potential gamers. What I am honestly asking myself is kind of simple. Can I run an open table using 5e Essentials? As I understand it, with the reduced class choices and simplified low-level approach, this might be possible, and so I'm going to rip off that shrink wrap and take another look. The standard by which I'll make that judgement will be the recipe for gaming success that I've just been talking about. Maybe I'll record that as a bonus episode or something. What do you think? The Dungeons of Thal are played using my own low-points version of the Powered by GURPS Dungeon Fantasy RPG. I've got some random tables to help generate characters quickly, and the dungeon itself is nice and simple. It's a premise that somewhat stretches credulity, and the dungeons certainly don't concern themselves with ecology or any of the conceits of later plot-driven adventure play, but it's fun. The Dungeons of Thal are the classic mythic underworld where magic is strong and anything can happen. I'm learning to embrace the heart of British fantasy role-playing too, drawing inspiration from fighting fantasy that has been a real eye-opener that I have to thank Dave Aldridge of D Percentile for getting me to go in that direction. Thanks, Dave. In summary, 
I believe I need to park my personal desire to consciously run a complex designed campaign. I don't have the time to create it, and my players don't seem to have interest in playing it. Instead, I'm going to start practicing what I preach. I'm going to focus wholeheartedly on presenting the Dungeons of Thal and reopening my gaming tables. If the players respond, I'll be offering three sessions a fortnight, two sessions a week, across various platforms. The first game will definitely be at school on Tuesday nights. The second could be on Fridays at my home in Nottingham, UK. And the third is online via Fantasy Grounds. And I'm going to open up more seats at those tables too. Game on, eh? Game on. So what? You're not a school kid. You have a job, family, commitments, and all your friends are similarly busy. What's this got to do with rescuing your hobby? Didn't I promise that I'd focus my Saturday episodes on you guys? Of course I did. Three things. One, if you can find one or two hours each month, this is one way you could use those hours to have some role-playing fun. You don't need a complex campaign world. You don't need to make a huge commitment of time. You just need to create an open table. Two, if you can give up the preconceptions about what role-playing is, then you can rediscover something that has been long forgotten in our hobby, even by some of the so-called old-school gamers. That thing is that rediscovery about coming back to the very basics of the role-playing experience. Dungeon crawling, using an accessible set of rules, and playing with whoever shows up this week. Three, if you want to go all the way back to the roots of Dungeons & Dragons that I talked about last December then you can spend no more than about 18 euros, and that's about 20 bucks for you Americans, and get a good game using old-school essentials from Necrotic Gnome. That's necroticgnome.com. I am not kidding, as you don't even have to buy old-school essentials because you can get the art-free basic rules PDF viewable on a tablet or a laptop for free from DriveThruRPG. Look for drivethroughrpg.com and search for Old School Essentials Basic Rules. Once you've had a game, you'll want the printed books, trust me, but you don't need to lay down €60 Euros for them until you are absolutely sure. Dice, Dungeon and Rules. I'll stick some links in the show notes. Look, this is the truth. Using Old School Essentials, that classic restatement of BXD&D, I have run 8 to 12 players through a nice session of 3 to 8 encounters in about 1.5 hours. We have had 2 to 4 fights, explored the dungeon, interacted with the creatures, and lost some characters each time. We rolled up a new character in about 10 minutes and then got back to the table. And you can do that too. Ask a few friends around to play a game. Make it a 2 hour slot, grab a dungeon, open up old school essentials, get some snacks and drinks to the tables and roll dice for a couple of hours if you have a good time schedule another session in the diary you know rinse and repeat don't let my personal quibbles with the classic dungeons and dragons experience cloud your experience it really is a good night's entertainment i'm a bit of a picky git it's totally doable i'm going to break this down into even more easy to do steps in future episodes but really the invitation is to try and replicate my experiment can you run a one to two hour role playing session from whomever you can get to the table with a minimum of effort expended? Yes, it turns out you can. Rescue! And that's about it for this retrospective revisitation back to the open table. 
When I did episode 103 back last year, I'm not sure I really delivered on the promise to break things down into even more easy-to-do steps. I aimed to rectify that oversight over the coming weeks. I had already planned episodes on some of the topics we've discussed today, but this seems like a great point at which to refocus the podcast on the basics. Look out for episodes on basic dungeon crawls, setting up an open table, choosing the rules, making character creation quick, and making the most of limited time at the table. On top of that, I really do wonder if reviewing D&D 5e with an eye to open tables would be a useful addition. Yes, I'm going to continue to play Dungeon Fantasy RPG at my online and Friday night tables, but I am going to at least consider whether the school club might benefit from an experiment with D&D Essentials in the Dungeons of Thal. Here's a quick question, though. Would anyone be interested in me sharing the dungeons themselves on my blog or via some other readable medium? Let me know. Many thanks to Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor for inspiring this episode. It wouldn't have happened without him laying down the challenge on his own Gothridge Manor podcast. Thanks also to Josh, Andy and Jason for their call-ins. Excellent stuff, guys. Thank you. It wouldn't be right not to mention the wonderful Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through their generosity on Patreon. And if you feel you want to support the show... Throw a dollar in the tip jar and share your enthusiasm for my efforts, then please do hop on over to patreon.com slash rpgrescue and join the community. Thank you to everyone who has already joined the Patreon community. And a special welcome also to Michael Bowers, the latest member and supporter of the podcast. Thanks, Michael, and thanks to everyone else. I couldn't stay motivated without you. Finally, thank you to you, the listener for taking a little time out of your day to listen to me warble on about role-playing games. I hope that I've hit my core mission of encouraging you all to regularly play games of imagination and I've helped you to play in a way that suits you better. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next Saturday. Game on. <laughs>